section thirty four of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty two benedict this looks not like a nuptial much ado about nothing master george harriet had no sooner returned to the king's apartment than james inquired of maxwell if the earl of huntingland was in attendance and receiving an answer in the affirmative desired that he should be admitted the old scottish lord having made his reverence in the usual manner the king extended his hand to be kissed and then began to address him in a tone of great sympathy we told your lordship in our secret epistle of this morning written with our ain hand in testimony we have neither pretermitted nor forgotten your faithful service that we had that to communicate to you that would require both patience and fortitude to endure and therefore exhorted you to peruse some of the most pithy passages of seneca and of boethius de consolatione that the back may be as we say fitted for the burden this we commend to you from our ain experience non ignara meo miseras sacerari disco saith dido and i might say in my own person non ignaris but to change the gender would affect the prosody whereof our southern subjects are tenacious so my lord of huntingglen i trust you have acted by our advice and studied patience before ye need it when niente accurate morbo mix the medicament when the disease is coming on may it please your majesty answered lord huntingland i am more of an old soldier than a scholar and if my own rough nature will not bear me out in any calamity i hope i shall have grace to try a text of scripture to boot ay man are you there with your bears said the king the bible man touching his cap is indeed principium et fons but it is pity your lordship cannot peruse it in the original for although we did ourselves promote that work of translation since ye may read at the beginning of every bible that when some palpable clouds of darkness were thought like to have overshadowed the land after the setting of that bright occidental star queen elizabeth yet our appearance like that of the sun in his strength instantly dispelled these surmised myths i say that although as therein mentioned we countenance the preaching of the gospel and especially the translation of the scriptures out of the original sacred tongues yet nevertheless we ourselves confess to have found a comfort in consulting them in the original hebrew whilk we do not perceive even in the latin version of the septuagint much less in the english traduction please your majesty said lord huntingland if your majesty delays communicating the bad news with which your honoured letter threatens me until i am capable to read hebrew like your majesty i fear i shall die in ignorance of the misfortune which has befallen or is about to befall my house you will learn it but too soon my lord replied the king i grieve to say it but your son dalgarna whom i thought a very saint as he was so much with steenie and baby charles hath turned out a very villain villain repeated lord huntingland 
and though he instantly checked himself and added but it is your majesty speaks the word the effect of his first tone made the king step back as if he had received a blow he also recovered himself again and said in the pettish way which usually indicated his displeasure yes my lord it was we that said it non surdo canis we are not deaf we pray you not to raise your voice in speech with us there is the bonny memorial read and judge for yourselves the king then thrust into the old nobleman's hand a paper containing the story of the lady hermione with the evidence by which it was supported details so briefly and clearly that the infamy of lord dalgarno the lover by whom she had been so shamefully deceived seemed undeniable but a father yields not up so easily the cause of his son may it please your majesty he said why was this tale not sooner told this woman hath been here for years wherefore was the claim on my son not made the instant she touched english ground tell him how that came about geordie said the king dressing harriet i grieve to distress my lord huntingland said harriet but i must speak the truth for a long time the lady hermione could not brook the idea of making her situation public and when her mind became changed in that particular it was necessary to recover the evidence of the false marriage and letters and papers connected with it which when she came to paris and just before i saw her she had deposited with a correspondent of her father in that city he became afterwards bankrupt and in consequence of that misfortune the lady's papers passed into other hands and it was only a few days since i traced and recovered them without these documents of evidence it would have been imprudent for her to have preferred her complaint favoured as lord dalgarno is by powerful friends ye are saucy to say say said the king i can what ye mean weally know ye think steenie wad hae putten the weight of his foot into the scales of justice and guard them homo the bucket ye forget geordie wha it is whose hand upholds them and ye do poor steenie the mare rang for he confessed it ants before us and our privy council that dalgarno would have put the queen aff on him the pure simple bairn making him trow that she was a light of love in woke mind he remained assured even when he parted from her albeit steenie might hae weel thought ain of they cattle wadna hae resisted the like of him the lady hermione said george harriet has always done the utmost justice to the conduct of the duke who although strongly possessed with prejudice against her character yet scorned to avail himself of her distress and on the contrary supplied her with the means of extricating herself from her difficulties it was ian like himself blessings on his bonny face said the king and i believe this lady's tale the mare readily my lord huntingland that she spake nay ill of steenie and to make a lang tale short my lord it is the opinion of our council and ourself as weel as of baby baby charles and steenie that your son maun amend his wrong by wedding this lady or undergo such disgrace and discountenance as we can bestow the person to whom he spoke was incapable of answering him he stood before the king motionless and glaring with eyes of which even the lids seemed immovable as if suddenly converted into an ancient statue of the times of chivalry 
so instantly had his hard features and strong limbs been arrested into rigidity by the blow he had received and in a second afterwards like the same statue when the lightning breaks upon it he sunk at once to the ground with a heavy groan the king was in the utmost alarm called upon harriet and maxwell for help and presence of mind not being his fort ran to and fro in his cabinet exclaiming my ancient and beloved servant who saved our anointed self way atque dolor my lord of hunting glen look up look up man and your son may marry the queen of sheba if he will by this time maxwell and harriet had raised the old nobleman and placed him on a chair while the king observing that he began to recover himself continued his consolations more methodically hard up your head hard up your head and listen to your ain kind native prince if there is shame man it comes na empty-handed there is siller to gild it a good toucher and no that bad a pedigree if she has been a loon it was your son made her say and he can make her an honest woman again these suggestions however reasonable in the common case gave no comfort to lord huntingglen if indeed he fully comprehended them but the blubbering of his good-natured old master which began to accompany and interrupt his royal speech produced more rapid effect the large tear gushed reluctantly from his eye as he kissed the withered hands which the king weeping with less dignity and restraint abandoned to him first alternately and then both together until the feelings of the man getting entirely the better of the sovereign's sense of dignity he grasped and shook lord huntingland's hands with the sympathy of an equal and a familiar friend compone lacrimus said the monarch be patient man be patient the council and baby charles and steenie may a gang to the devil he shall not marry her since it moves you so deeply he shall marry her by god answered the earl drawing himself up dashing the tear from his eyes and endeavouring to recover his composure i pray your majesty's pardon but he shall marry her with her dishonour for her dowry were she the veriest courtesan in all spain if he gave his word he shall make his word good were it to the meanest creature that haunts the streets he shall do it or my own dagger shall take the life that i gave him if he could stoop to use so base a fraud though to deceive infamy let him wed infamy no no the monarch continued to insinuate things are not so bad as that steenie himself never thought of her being a street-walker even when he thought the worst of her if it can at all console my lord of huntingglen said the citizen i can assure him of this lady's good birth and most fair and unspotted fame i'm sorry for it said lord glen huntingglen then interrupting himself he said heaven forgive me for being ungrateful for such comfort but i'm well nigh sorry she should be as you represent her so much better than the villain deserves to be condemned to wed beauty and innocence and honest birth ay and wealth my lord wealth insinuated the king is a better sentence than his perfidy has deserved it is long said the embittered father since i saw he was selfish and hard-hearted but to be a perjured liar i never dreaded that such a blot would have fallen on my race i will never look on him again hoot i my lord hoot i said the king ye mon tack him to task roundly i grant you should speak more in the vein of demia than mitio we nempe et via per wolgata patrum 
but as for not seeing him again and he your only son that is altogether out of reason i tell you man but i would not for a bottle that baby charles heard me that he might gee the glakes to have the lasses of lennon ere i could find in my heart speak such harsh words as you have said of this deal of a dalgarno of yours may it please your majesty to permit me to retire said lord huntingland and dispose of the case according to your own royal sense of justice for i desire no favour for him a wheel my lord so be it and if your lordship can think added the monarch of anything in our power which might comfort you your majesty's gracious sympathy said lord huntingland has already comforted me as far as earth can the, re the rest must be from the king of kings to him i commend you my old and faithful servant said james with emotion as the earl withdrew from his presence the king remained fixed in thought for some time and then said to harriet jingling geordie ye ken all the privy doings of our court and have doon so these thirty years though like a wise man ye hear and see and say nothing now there is a thing i fain wad ken in the way of philosophical inquiry did you ever hear of the umquhile lady huntingland the departed countess of this noble earl ganging a wee bit gleed in her walk through the world i mean in the way of slipping a foot casting a legland girth or the like ye understand me on my word as an honest man said george harriet somewhat surprised at the question i never heard her wronged by the slightest breath of suspicion she was a worthy lady very circumspect in her walk and lived in great concord with her husband save that the good countess was something of a puritan and kept more company with ministers than was altogether agreeable to lord huntingland who is as you your majesty well knows a man of the old rough world that will drink and swear oh geordie exclaimed the king these are old world frailties of whilk we dare not pronounce even ourselves absolutely free but the world grows worse from day to day geordie the juveniles of this age may wheel save with the poet itas parentum prejur avus tulit nos nequiorus this dalgarno does not drink so much or swear so much as his father but he wenches geordie and he breaks his word and oath baith as to what you say of the leddy and the ministers we are a fallible creatures geordie priests and kings as real as others and what kens but what that may account for the difference between this dalgarno and his father the earl is the verest soul of honour and cares nay mare for warl's gear than a noble hound for the quest of a foul mart but as for his son he was like to brazen us uh, out ourselves steenie baby charles and our council till he heard of the tucker and then by my kingly crown he lapped like a cock at a grossart these are discrepancies betwixt parent and son not to be accounted for naturally according to baptista porta michael scott de secretus and others ah jingling geordie if you're clouding the cauldron and jingling on pots pans and vessels of all manner of metal hadn't have jingled a uh, your grammar out of your head i could have touched on that matter to you at mere length harry was too plain spoken to express much concern for the loss of his grammar learning on this occasion but after modestly hinting that he had seen many men who could not fill their father's bonnet though no one had been suspected of wearing their father's nightcap he inquired whether lord dalgarno had consented to do the lady hermione justice 
troth man i have small doubt that he will quoth the king i gave him the schedule of her worldly substance which you delivered to us in the council and we allowed him half an hour to chew the cud upon that it is rare reading for bringing him to reason i left baby charles and steenie laying his duty before him and if he can resist doing what they desire him why i wish he would teach me the gate of it oh geordie jingling geordie it was grand to hear baby charles laying down the guilt of dissimulation and steenie lecturing on the turpitude of incontinence i'm afraid said george Heliot, more ha harriet more hastily than prudently i might have thought of the old proverb of satan reproving sin deal hey our saul neighbour said the king reddening but ye are not blate i gie ye license to speak freely and by our soul ye do not let the privilege become lost known you tender it will suffer no negative prescription in your hands is it fit think ye that baby charles should let his thoughts be publicly seen no no prince's thoughts are arcana imperii qui nescit dissimulari nescit regnari every liege subject is bound to speak the whole truth to the king but there is nay reciprocity of obligation and for steenie having been wiles a dyke-looper at a time is it for you who are his goldsmith and to whom i doubt he awes an uncommodable sum to cast that up to him harry did not feel himself called on to play the part of zena and sacrifice himself for upholding the cause of moral truth he did not desert it however by disavowing his words but simply expressed sorrow for having offended his majesty with which the placable king was sufficiently satisfied and now geordie man quoth he we will to this culprit and hear what he has to say for himself for i will see the job cleared this blessed day ye mon come wi me for your evidence may be wanted the king led the way accordingly into a larger apartment where the prince the duke of buckingham and one or two privy councillors were seated at a table before which stood lord delgarno in an attitude of as much elegant ease and indifference as could be expressed considering the stiff dress and manners of the times all rose and bowed reverently while the king to use a north country word expressive of his mode of locomotion toddled to his chair or throne making a sign to harriet stustan behind him we hope said his majesty that lord dalgarno stands prepared to do justice to this unfortunate lady and to his own character and honour may i humbly inquire the penalty said lord dalgarno in case i should unhappily find compliance with your majesty's demands impossible banishment fray our court my lord said the king fray our court and our countenance unhappy exile that i may be said lord delgarno in a tone of subdued irony i will at least carry your majesty's picture with me for i shall never see such another king and banishment my lord said the prince sternly from these our dominions that must be thy form of law please your royal highness said delgarno with an affectation of deep respect and i have not heard that there is a statute compelling us under such penalty to marry every woman we may play the fool with perhaps his grace of buckingham can tell me you are a villain dalgarno said the haughty and vehement favourite fie my lord fie to a prisoner and in presence of your royal and paternal gossip said lord dalgarno but i will cut this deliberation short i have looked over this schedule of the goods and effects of arminia paul letty daughter of the late noble yes he is called the noble or i read wrong 
giovanni pauletti of the house of sansovino in genoa and of the no less noble lady maud oliphant of the house of glenvarlock well i declare that i was pre-contracted in spain to this noble lady and there is passed betwixt us some certain prelibatio matrimonii and now what more does this grave assembly require of me that you that you should repair the gross and infamous wrong you have done the lady by marrying her within this hour said the prince oh may it please your royal highness answered dalgarno i have a trifling relationship with an old earl who calls himself my father who may claim some vote in the matter alas every son is not blessed with an obedient parent he hazarded a slight glance towards the throne to give meaning to his last words we have spoken ourselves with lord huntingland said the king and are authorized to consent in his name i could never have expected this intervention of a proxeneta which the vulgar translate blackfoot of such eminent dignity said dalgarno scarce concealing a sneer and my father hath consented he was wont to say ere we left scotland that the blood of huntingland and of glenvarlock would not mingle were they poured into the same basin perhaps he has a mind to try the experiment my lord said james we will not be longer trifled with will you instantly and sine mora take this lady to your wife in our chapel statim atque instanter answered lord delgarno for i perceive by doing so i shall obtain power to render great services to the commonwealth i shall have acquired wealth to supply the wants of your majesty and a fair wife to be at the command of his grace of buckingham the duke rose passed to the end of the table where lord delgarno was standing and whispered in his ear you have placed a fair sister at my command ere now this taunt cut deep through lord dalgarno's assumed composure he started as if an adder had stung him but instantly composed himself and fixing on the duke's still smiling countenance an eye which spoke unutterable hatred he pointed the forefinger of his left hand to the hilt of his sword but in a manner which could scarce be observed by any one save buckingham the duke gave him another smile of bitter scorn and returned to his seat in obedience to the commands of the king who continued calling out sit down steenie sit down i command ye we will hey nay harns breaking here your majesty needs not fear my patience said lord dalgarno and that i may keep it the better i will not utter another word in this presence save those enjoined to me in that happy portion of the prayer-book which begins with dearly beloved and ends with amazement you are a hardened villain dalgarno said the king and were i the lass by my father's saul i would rather brook the stain of having been your concubine than run the risk of becoming your wife but she shall be under our special protection come my lords we will ourselves see this blithesome bridal he gave the signal by rising and moved towards the door followed by the train lord dalgarno attended speaking to none and spoken to by no one yet seeming as easy and unembarrassed in his gait and manner as if in reality a happy bridegroom they reached the chapel by a private entrance which communicated from the royal apartment the bishop of winchester in his pontifical dress stood beside the altar on the other side supported by mona paula the colourless faded half-lifeless form of the lady hermione or erminia pauletti 
lord delgarno bowed profoundly to her and the prince observing the horror with which she regarded him walked up and said to her with much dignity madam ere you put yourself under the authority of this man let me inform you he hath in the fullest degree vindicated your honour so far as concerns your former intercourse it is for you to consider whether you will put your fortune and happiness into the hands of one who has shown himself unworthy of all trust the lady with much difficulty found words to make reply i owe to his majesty's goodness she said the care of providing me some reservation out of my own fortune for my decent sustenance the rest cannot be better disposed than in buying back the fair fame of which i am deprived and the liberty of ending my life in peace and seclusion the contract has been drawn up said the king under our own eye specially discharging the potestas maritalis and the green they shall live separate so buckle them my lord bishop as fast as you can that they may sunder again the sooner the bishop accordingly opened his book and commenced the marriage ceremony under circumstances so novel and so inauspicious the responses of the bride were only expressed by inclinations of the head and body while those of the bridegroom were spoken boldly and distinctly with a tone resembling levity if not scorn when it was concluded lord delgarno advanced as if to salute the bride but seeing that she drew back in fear and abhorrence he contented himself with making her a low bow he then drew up his form to its height and stretched himself as if examining the power of his limbs but elegantly and without any forcible change of attitude i could caper yet he said though i am in fetters but they are of gold and lightly worn well i see all eyes look cold on me and it is time i should withdraw the sun shines elsewhere than in england but first i must ask how this fair lady delgarno is to be bestowed methinks it is but decent i should know is she to be sent to the harem of my lord duke or is this worthy citizen as before hold thy tongue ribald hold thy base ribald tongue said his father lord hunting glen who had kept in the background during the ceremony and now stepping suddenly forward caught the lady by the arm and confronted her unworthy husband the lady delgarno he continued shall remain as a widow in my house a widow i esteem her as much as if the grave had closed over her dishonoured husband lord delgarno exhibited momentary symptoms of extreme confusion and said in a submissive tone if you my lord can wish me dead i cannot though your heir returned the compliment few of the first-born of israel he added recovering himself from the single touch of emotion he had displayed can say so much with truth but i will convince you ere i go that i am a true descendant of a house famed for its memory of injuries i marvel your majesty will listen to him longer said prince charles methinks we have heard enough of his daring insolence but james who took the interest of a true gossip in such a scene as was now passing could not bear to cut the controversy short but imposed silence on his son with wished baby charles there is a good baron wished i want to hear what the frontless loon can say only sir said delgarno that but for one single line in this schedule all else that it contains could not have bribed me to take that woman's hand into mine that line mon have been the summa totalis said the king not so sire replied delgarno the sum total might indeed have been an object for consideration even to a scottish king at no very distant period but it would have had 
little charms for me save that i see here an entry which gives me the power of vengeance over the family of glenvarlock and learn from it that yonder pale bride when she put the wedding touch torch into my hand gave me the power of burning her mother's house to ashes how is that said the king what is he speaking about jingling geordie this friendly citizen my liege said lord dalgarno hath expended a sum belonging to my lady and now i thank heaven to me in acquiring a certain mortgage or wansit over the estate of glenvarlock which if it be not redeemed before to-morrow at noon will put me in possession of the fair demesnes of those who once called themselves our house's rivals can this be true said the king it is even but too true please your majesty answered the citizen the lady hermione having advanced the money for the original creditor i was obliged in honour and honesty to take the rights to her and doubtless they passed to her husband but the warrant man said the king the warrant on our exchequer couldn't have that supplied the lad with the means of redemption unhappily my liege he has lost it or disposed of it it is not to be found he is the most unlucky youth this is a proper spot of work said the king beginning to amble about and play with the points of his doublet and hose in expression of dismay we cannot aid him without paying our debts twice over and we have in the present state of our exchequer scarce the means of paying them once you have told me news said lord dalgarno but i will take no advantage do not said his father be a bold villain since thou must be one and seek revenge with arms and not with the usurer's weapons pardon me my lord said lord dalgarno pen and ink are now my surest means of vengeance and more land is won by the lawyer with the ram skin than by the andrea ferrara with his sheep's head handle but as i said before i will take no advantages i will await in town to-morrow near covent garden if any one will pay the redemption money to my scrivener with whom the deeds lie the better for lord glenvarlock if not i will go forward on the next day and travel with all dispatch to the north to take possession take a father's malice son with you unhappy wretch said lord huntingland and a king's who is pater patriae said james i trust to bear both lightly said lord dalgarno and bowing around him he withdrew while all present oppressed and as it were overawed by his determined effrontery found they could draw breath more freely when he at length relieved them of his society lord huntingland applying himself to comfort his new daughter-in-law withdrew with her also and the king with his privy council whom he had not dismissed again returned to his council chamber though the hour was unusually late harriet's attendance was still commanded but for what reason was not explained to them End of section 34